Hi there, and welcome to How To with Ann Malum. When deciding to do this podcast, I really wanted to create something that could give people real tools on how to execute on certain things. So often we talk about things on such a macro scale that yes, leaves people inspired, but with no real idea on what the steps are to make something in their own life happen. I challenge and encourage and probe my amazing guests to get granular and specific on their strategies, their mindset, their tactics, and their methodologies so that you can learn practical, actionable steps to best optimize your confidence, career, health, and wealth. What's up, everybody, and welcome to How To with Ann Malum. Today, I am excited to have Shannon McClay with us. Shannon has worked in financial services for over 22 years and has spent the last 10 years as the founder and CEO of The Financial Gym, a financial services company that takes a fitness-inspired approach to your finances. She's the author of Train Your Way to Financial Fitness and her own blog, Financially Blonde, as well as a contributor to AOL, Lifehacker, Huffington Post, U.S. News and World Reports, Budgets Are Sexy, Frugal Rules, and others. Shannon is also the host of an award-winning business and investing podcast. Hi, Shannon. So nice to have you here. So glad to be here. Yeah, I'm pumped. Shannon and I uh, got to know each other over the last, I don't know, nine months or so. And I am so passionate about financial fitness and and wealth and and financial freedom and all of these things. Um, for those of you who don't know, I didn't I didn't come from money at all. I came from a very modest household. And like most of us, no one really taught us much about money. So I've had to learn on the go here. And I think it's just amazing that Shannon has dedicated her life to creating resources for people to understand finances, no matter what level you are at. So Shannon, if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about you, how you got here and why you are so excited about this as well. Yeah. So I tell people all the time I'm the um, unintentional entrepreneur. I never wanted to start a business. I always told people I just um, I'm not changing the world. I'm just making money. And I had an investment banking job just making money for years. And then I hit my 30s and wanted something a little bit different. My life started to shift and it ultimately led me to becoming a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. And the only reason why I became a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch was A, I felt like I needed one. I was in my early 30s with a child, husband, home. And I was working for Merrill Lynch at the time. And in the process of looking for myself, I tell people I just became woke to advisory. And um, I realized that, you know, 80 percent of advisors are men. And I always say there's nothing wrong with that. I married a yeah. man. I birthed a man. Love men. But it just felt really unfair if somebody was looking for something different. And I thought, I want to help more women become financial advisors. I think that's going to be like my purpose in life. So I became a Merrill Lynch financial advisor. And to work with me at Merrill Lynch, you had to have 250000 in assets. You literally didn't even count as a person, as a household, unless you had 250000 in assets. And I just remember here in the early days of my Merrill, building my business days, uh, talking to my, quote, mentor. And I always say, quote, mentor because um, I didn't take any of his advice. I always did the opposite of what he told me. But one of the things he told me was pre-screen all your calls, Shannon, make sure they have money before you even talk to them because they won't even count. So it's just a waste of your time. And I just remember thinking, I'm not going to have coffee with anybody. I'm not going to ask anybody what's in their bank account before we even have coffee. It just really felt uncomfortable. So yeah. I um, so I became the advisor who said yes to every meeting. So anybody who is like, I need a financial planner is like, great, let's, let's grab coffee. And in one of those first yes meetings was a woman who um, said, I have 250000 
of student loan debt and I make $50,000 a year, not the six-figure law job my my law school told me I was going to have. And at the end of all this, she said, I just feel unlovable. Like, who would want to marry me with all this debt? And it was a lot to unpack in a meeting, and I'd never met anyone like her. And I just thought, I have nothing to help her at Merrill Lynch, but I want to help this person. And that was the beginning of me becoming the worst financial advisor ever, because I wanted to help all what I called my pro bono clients, all these people with no money uh, that none of the big firms wanted to talk to, um, but wanted to talk to a human being. And they all wanted to talk to a human being to work through their money challenges. And so I was doing that for a period of time and then had my Oprah aha week of my life. Yeah. And um, it started with a couple that had over a million dollars with me. Their portfolio was down 3% and they were just complaining about where all their money went. And I spent an hour of my life making them feel better about being a little less rich. And it just kind of felt really soul sucking. And then two days later, I did a plan for a woman, one of my pro bono clients, similar to the plans we do at Financial Gym, just in plain English, bulleting what she needed to do about saving, about student loans, about credit cards. And at the end of the meeting, she said, you know, you're saving my life, right? And I was like, this meeting feels so much better than that other meeting. And so many more people need this kind of help than that kind of help. And I was on a fitness journey myself, a weight loss journey. um, And I just remember thinking there were so many places people could go to get physically healthy if they want to. But if people want to get financially healthy, where would they go? Where would I send these beautiful, lovely, special pro bono clients to that's going to treat them like human beings and give them the workout they needed for their money? And I thought if you want to get financially healthy, you go to a financial gym. So that was 10 years ago. And I've been on the journey for 10 years. And I left to help, you know, the everyday Jack and Jill, and I've been on this journey for 10 years, and the problems with financial wellness in America have gotten worse, not better, and our mission is just continues to be extremely relevant. So it gets me motivated every day um, to get out of bed to talk about things like this and talk to you and your community about the importance of financial health and um, especially for women. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. And I frankly, there it is this buzzy word right now, you know, financial wellness. And I don't know why, because there has been this issue for such a long time of people not understanding money, not saving. Not, and, and I think people are just afraid of looking stupid so they don't ask questions mm-hmm. and you surround yourself with other people and no one talks about money. So no one knows what anybody else is doing, particularly women. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're told not to talk about money. It's rude. So can you just, what, what is the state of things today, Shannon? And, yeah. you know, let's let's help. Every, if you're listening to this and you're just like, I know nothing, keep listening because we're going to dive a little bit deep into, you know, me asking Shannon some questions on what you can do to look at your over financial picture, your financial picture today and some steps you can take. Because I tell you what, I, I'm in a fortunate position at this stage in my life, but Gosh, when I was in my late 20s, I was in credit card debt like a lot of other people. And you sort of feel like, oh, this is just going to be the way that that life is. So, yeah, you just it, it, it's been normalized by the industry, unfortunately, that's profiting off of everybody. And yeah. um, and the state of financial wellness in the country is horrible. Only 31 percent of Americans are considered financially healthy. And this is just from 2022 data. So only 31 percent of Americans are considered financially healthy of that group only 23% of women are considered financially healthy. 
So we know we've got struggles across the board with women and their finances, but it's even worse when it comes to financial wellness. And then you drill down even deeper and only 15% of Black people are considered financially well. So can you define that for us before we go further? What does it mean when you're saying somebody who's financially has a good financial wellness, what does that mean, Shannon? Yeah. So this is from the Financial Health Network and its specific metrics around saving and, uh, you know, savings balances, emergency fund balances, so cash in the bank, uh, credit scores, uh, debt levels. It's a combination of a bunch of different factors that um, influence people's finances. Now, that's specific to them. We take a different look at the financial gym, but mm-hmm. overall, just general metrics across the board are, um, are, you know, are not are not great. And I'm sure most people listening to this are feeling like their finances don't feel that great, especially after the last year. You know, we we are whether or not you think about it or know about it, we're definitely in a recession. Um, people are feeling inflationary factors in there when they go grocery shopping and every parts of their life, day to day life. Um, it's coming through. And then most of us spent the whole last year, if you had any money invested, you spent the last year looking at a really volatile retirement or uh, investment account scenario that probably caused a lot of stress in your life and still is. Yeah. So can you can you help define that for folks when you, again, talk about credit score money in the bank, mm-hmm. you know, whether someone's in their 20s, 30s, 40s, because again, Sometimes people don't know when they're like, I don't know if I'm doing well or not. I don't know what normal is. So I want to try to get specific. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get let's go. So so we talk about this all the time. I think people generally know physical wellness numbers um, and ideas just, you know, because it's it's talked about so much. Yeah, I think people really don't have any idea of financial wellness numbers. So I'm going to give a number of numbers for people to work through. And before I get to those, I just want to make a comment. And whenever I talk about this and with groups, virtually, in person, wherever, there's always, especially with women, uh, this feeling of anxiety um, when you start sharing numbers and you feel like I'm not quite there yet. And so before I start sharing any numbers, if you are somebody who feels anxious around finances, pause the podcast, take a deep breath, do your your exercises that get the anxiety out, maybe have a I know, I know your, your sober lifestyle, but glass of wine, I always say I'm like wine and Kleenex is for me. But whatever it is that helps like calm you down, just calm down because I think especially so many women don't engage in their finances because they feel a general level of anxiety around it. And that's and we understand that, but we've got to start engaging. So that's my that's my uh, PSA before I go into the numbers. Okay, first of all, number I'm going to give six digits that we like to give at the gym of financial wellness. So number one is six. And that six means six months of your monthly expenses saved in cash. So if your monthly expenses are somewhere, let's just say $2,000 a month, then you want to have $12,000 saved in a emergency fund for cash. And and where so would that fund be? And the checking savings, where would you tell people it, to put in? We tell our clients to put in something called a high yield savings account. So if you don't know what a high yield savings account, a lot of people don't. We tell people to to Google it. But if you go to, if you just like Google high yield savings account, best high yield savings account, you'll find sites like NerdWallet or um, Bankrate that'll give you a breakdown of it. And why we say high yield savings account is you might think you're doing great with your savings account at your bank, like a Chase or a Bank of America, but those savings accounts are probably paying you something like 0.05 um, in in interest. A high yield savings account now could be paying you anywhere from three to four percent. So, um, and they're typically not. You're typically not going to find a high yield savings account at the big banks because um, for various reasons. So. Um, you, you'll look at like Ally Bank or Marcus. Those are some of the places you can find high yield savings accounts. So 
That's where we want at first. We say we're cult-like about emergency funds at the gym because you are more likely to have a $1,000 expense in your life, or, and we call it surprises, but there should be nothing surprising about a $1,000 surprise or emergency because the only thing that should be surprising is what type of emergency is it? Like, did you have a healthcare issue? Do you need four new tires? Did you, you know, some, you know, get invited to a wedding you weren't expected? Whatever it is, there's always um, situations. If you have kids, forget it. I could tell you 18,000 ways $1,000 is going to fly out the door. So uh, emergency fund number one, six months. If you can't get there and you're not there, P.S., it's okay. Um, just like training for a marathon or training for anything, you can work up to it. So we tell people to just put the process in place. So start a, you know, start a savings account somewhere, start auto drafting your money from your checking account to your savings account on a regular basis and test out your budget, test how it feels putting that money aside. But, um, you know, and we'll tell clients too, and I'm going to get into debt in a second, but we tell them to balance both saving and paying off debt. And sometimes people are entirely focused on debt repayment. And while I understand that you might have interest rates on that debt, um, you also need cash in the bank um, because not everybody takes credit and not every situation can be put on a card. And we've seen over the last 10 plus years that our clients actually just feel better with more money in the bank. They just, it, it takes away a lot of that anxiety that people feel around finances when they feel like they have a cushion. So right. emergency fund number one. And Shannon, what, how, what do you find the number one reason is that people don't put money put put money away? I'm, I'm going to take a guess and maybe people think, because I want to get into the emotional side of finances, Thank that you. people think it doesn't matter. Like $200, like it's not going to matter anyway. I might as well spend it. It's not enough. And is that a big mindset of folks that's just like, what's the point of saving if it's so small? Yeah, I think um, people don't have a, a pra saving practice in place. So, or they think they're saving to their 401k or they yeah. have debt. There's always so many other priorities of where our money goes. And um, and if you don't have that savings practice in place, then it's easy for that money to go to other places. Like it's very easy to spend our money. Oh. I always say we work really hard for our money and yet it's so easy to spend it. Yeah, it's hard to leave your house without dropping a 20 or a 100, depending on where you live. Yeah. Exactly. So it's having that that it, that mindset, that saving mindset and the, the mindfulness around your money. That's another thing that we hear a lot at the gym. Most people feel like the common complaint that we get at the gym is, I don't know where my money's going. Mm -hmm. And there's 18 million apps that will tell you where your money's going. But most people don't want to go in the apps because, again, yeah. that anxiety and they don't want to be told they're not doing well and, and see their balances yeah. and feel bad about themselves. So they ignore it typically. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we tell people, I think the first step in any financial wellness journey is like, is the mindset shift of like, look, this is, I'm committed to this. Um, I understand it's going to be a lot of ups and downs, just like any other wellness journey. You know, it's going to take time. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have rest days um, and you're going to build to it though. But over time you will build to it and you'll get the results. Okay, so cool. emergency one, fun yeah. number one, two, we want you to be, um, at two is the amount of savings. So we want you to be saving 15%. So that's your second digit, 15%. And that's saving 15% of your gross monthly income. So um, again, going back to, uh, you know, if you're looking for that number to start to save, that's where we want you to go. So if you're making, let's just say your gross monthly income, if you're making $60,000 a year, 15% of that's going to be 750 a month. And 
when we give this number to people, uh, I tell all the time, client number one of the gym who started with me 10 years ago, I gave her that number and she started crying. And um, and she wasn't crying like she was so excited about like all the great things she was going to accomplish in life because she was putting that money aside. She was crying because she's like, I've never done this before and I don't think I could ever do it. And I was like, look, um, I have never scaled a mountain before, but I know if I put the time and energy to, I could. And I was like, let's just try it because it's not going to kill you. This is the best thing about money moves. None of this is life or death. And everything you do financially is fixable. So all these things are just tests and let's just try it out and see what happens. So I said, look, 750 is your number. So either we'll do 750 once a month or we could do two different payments of three or four, three seventy five, you know, at the beginning of the month, the middle of the month, however we want to split it up, create that new savings account, the high yield savings and and auto draft that account. Now, if you need that money to pay your bills at the end of the month, you can always take it back. You're not sending your money, you know, to Mars. It's it's right here. But what happens is if you have to take that money out of your savings account, you're more conscious of it now. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, why couldn't I leave that there? Like, what right. did I do? And then you just start making those mental adjustments. And and then I tell people like the ninja high level part of that is is saying I owe myself that money. So if you end up having to take out, let's just say $200 a month to pay off a credit card, then you're like, oh, I owe myself next month an additional $200 because it should be going there. So- 15% of your gross monthly income at a minimum. The third digit is uh, 35%. And that is your, um, We're now we're talking about credit cards. So another issue that actually before the 35, I'm going to tell you uh, 750 is uh, the next digit and that's for credit scores. So a lot of people are like, what's a good credit score? It's a great credit score. 750 is an excellent credit score we want to get people to. If you don't have that or you don't know what your credit score is, there's so many ways and free ways you can look it up, going to sites like Credit Karma, Credit Sesame. If you have a credit card already, it's all free on their apps. You can just go and say, check my credit score. That's going to give you your number and give you a ballpark of what that your credit score is. If you're nowhere near 750, no big deal. Again, there's steps we can take to work back to that. Your credit score is just a snapshot in a period of time. It's always fixable. But 750 or above is where we want to get our clients to. And so Um, And then I have clients say, well, how do I get higher than an 800 or maybe they want to get better? Mm -hmm. And I tell people, if you just look at the the title of your credit score, so it could be good, excellent or bad. It doesn't matter what the number is as long as it's in that range. So as long as you're in that excellent range, which typically 750 or higher is, it's all viewed the same. So that's where we want to get our clients to. Again, if you're not there, it's very easy to to work on the credit, even if you've had credit problems in the past. Within seven years, almost any issue in your credit score will go away. Yeah. And I also think it's important. I mean, I remember I, I have good credit, we have some credit, but I I had a late payment on my lease for my car. Mm-hmm. And it's because I, I upgraded um to a new to a new car mm-hmm. and I just thought the payments would continue to come out. And, yeah. and it was a whole new lease structure and they were sending me bills to an old address. And like it, there was two, and I'm like, oh my god, I, I I didn't know, I just missed it. You can see I haven't missed a payment. Like Shannon, that still affects my credit. Like yes, brutal. I know seven years, but like that's a long time. So it's really important to understand what affects your credit and the late payments on things. Yes, and it just takes one. You guys really can hurt you, and like you spend years making up for it. Stop, stop, you know, speaking from someone who had that happen to her. 
Oh yeah, payments. Uh, payments is I think your payment history is your number one factor of your credit score because if yeah. you think about it, it's literally credit one hundred and one, right? I loaned you money. How good are you at paying it back? So if you don't pay it back at any period of time, then that doesn't look good. But something I'll say, and this is really important um, factor to keep up with that credit score and the payments, is set all your credit card payments to at least automatically pay the minimum monthly payment. So. Even if you can't make the whole payment, which is ideal to pay off your credit card balance in full every month, but that doesn't always happen in a perfect world. So if you can't at least make that minimum monthly payment, because that minimum monthly payment counts as a, quote, full payment, mm-hmm. even if, though it's not a full repayment, it counts as the payment. Yeah. Good, good little tip there for folks. No, don't lose that. And then, yes, like like Anne was saying, if you sign up for new credit, make sure that you you have like set a calendar reminder or something like that of when that first payment mm-hmm. is due, because maybe you didn't. It's not going to be automatically set up or you have to do something like that. Like it's going to require an extra step for you. So make sure you you set that up, you know, just an alert like so that, you know, it's out there like, oh, in a month, I'm going to have to pay this and to remind yourself to find, find the information. Yeah. What, this is what we're speaking about credit score because, I mean, for again, for folks who don't know, your credit score affects a lot of bigger decisions you want to make in your life. When you want to get a mortgage, when you want to get a loan in the future, your credit score will a lot of times determine your rate. So can you talk a little bit about why that's so important, Shannon? Yeah. So your credit score can literally cost you, it depends on the type of loan you get, but if you're looking at a car loan, it could cost you thousands of dollars over that period of time. If you're talking about a mortgage, a difference in 50 points of a credit score could cost you literally tens of thousands of dollars um, over the history of your mortgage. So it's very substantial. Um, and usually when we tell clients if they're about to take out debt, especially like bigger debt, like a car loan or a mortgage, possibly a student loan as well, if you're refinancing your student loan, we really encourage clients to do that work on their credit score and try to um, do what they can to to improve it. And we do that work with our clients all the time. But do what you can to get that number as high as possible because it, it's literally captured for the length of the loan and unless you can try to refinance at some point down the road. But once you lock in that rate, it's locked in at that the day your that your credit score on that day. So um, sometimes I'll tell clients like, look, if you're if you're going to get a tax refund and your your issue with your credit is like is that you've got high utilization, then let's let's like wait to do the other loan. Let's pay down this credit card. Let's wait for the because wait for the change in your credit score before we do that. And that brings me up to um, number four of the numbers, which is utilization on your credit score. So 35 percent is your number. So um, you shouldn't have any more than 35 percent on your credit card of your available utilization. So let's just say you have a credit availability. You have a credit limit of $1,000. You should never have more than $350 on your credit card at any given time. Now, that'll go up and down and you know what have you, but that's your that's your metric. So a lot of people think, oh, I've got a $1,000 limit. I could spend $1,000. In theory, yes, you can, but then it's gonna take a hit on your credit score. So that's like one of those secret things they don't tell you. We're gonna give you $1,000, but we don't want you to use it all because right. that, that looks bad for you. So you should only have 35%. And why I say that and why it's so important for fixing your credit is um, that's actually the quickest way to improve your credit is lowering your utilization. So there are things like payment history and missed payments that are going to take some time for you to show a better behavior. But changing your utilization, we've had clients pay down credit cards and get below wherever they were. So if they're at 80%, they take it to 60. If they're at 60, they take it to 40. Whatever you can do to lower your utilization on your cards, 
We've had clients' credit scores go up 50 to 90 points just by doing that and, and within a few weeks. So wow. it's a really quick and easy way. Now, of course, it requires cash to, to pay it down. But we're in, you know, tax season or those times where you could be getting those lump sums. And maybe if you're about to get a new car, need a new car, or you're looking for a home, then maybe that's the move you need to make with your cash to improve your credit because that's going to save you money over time. Cool. Okay. That's I'll do the other two numbers quick. So the other, there's another 35 and that's your debt to income number. So this is a really important digit if you are looking at home actually, and it's what banks will look at. And they want to see that you have no more than 35% of total debt obligations of your income every month. So if you're making, let's just say going back to that gross monthly income, $5,000 a month, then you should have no more than 17,000, 1700, um, 1750 is the exact number. You should have no more than 1750 of debt obligations you're paying every month. And why this is important is, first of all, it's a metric you're going to have to pass to get a traditional mortgage. But on the other hand, what I tell clients is like, what this number represents, this debt to income number represents, is the percentage of your paycheck that you work really freaking hard for. It's a percentage of your paycheck that's going to debt and something you have to pay. And we want our clients to have the mo more, most of their money going things that they want to pay for and the life that they want to live. So we want to keep that number as low as possible because um, we don't want to have all these debt obligations out there because that's going to prevent us from doing other things in life. But it is a metric you will have to pass to in order to get a traditional mortgage. Sometimes you can get, they'll, they'll, because student loans are such a problem. Sometimes you could get a mortgage lender to go up to 42% debt to income, but typically it's 35%. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the last digit is two. And this is the number of investment accounts we want our clients to have. And we say this because most people might have a retirement account that's pretty common, whether if they have a 401k or 403b or TSP. All I always say like the retirement accounts are like the alphabet soup of a lot of actual legal jargon is why where they get most of them get their names from, but um, might have a retirement account. What most people don't have is what we call your life money, your, your brokerage account, your investing money in in this middle bucket. And so you've got sometimes we'll, a lot of times we'll see clients have an emergency fund, which is great. We got cash over here. They'll have the retirement account over here. And we call it like barbell investing, mm -hmm. but they don't have anything for the middle invested, right? And they'll say, I'm scared of losing my money or I don't know how to invest like that because it's kind of easier to invest for retirement. But that middle bucket is always um, typically neglected. And what we tell clients is like, look, you need cash for emergencies. Absolutely. But if you are not investing that money that you don't need for the next one to two to five years, um, but you'll need before retirement. If you're not investing that, then literally your worst fears are happening every single day. You are literally losing money in that bank account because inflation is eating away your money every single day. So you're afraid of losing money by investing it, but you're literally losing money by leaving it in cash. So can you just even explain that for people listening of what do you mean by like, what inflation is not eating away my money? I have the same amount in there. So what do you actually mean by that? Yeah. So uh, in a typical time, inflation is is, is the um, change of prices over time. And so on average, it's about 2%. So on average, we have the, this 2% fee of costs that are going up across the board. And in the last year plus, what we've been seeing is that number being like 6 to 7%. So every year we're losing 2% to now we've been losing 6 to 7% of our value of, of our money because it's 
-hmm. It's getting eroded by the costs going up all over the place. So what we're having to do to invest our money, it's why we invest our money is we're trying to make that dollar outpace what's be, what's like eroding it, which is inflation, which is high, high expenses across the board. So for anything from what we're buying to cars, like to homes like that, it's inflations on or prices or anything we would buy. So why we invest is we want to outperform the erosion. So by putting our money in the markets, um, typically on average, when you invest your money over time, you should be getting, and I, I'm always conservative about this, the history of um, investing. I think it's something, and people can say it's somewhere around 15%. I say 7% mm -hmm. is the number I like to tell my clients. So, you know, worst case scenario, you're going to get 7%. So that means your money's making 7% over time. And if I say inflation is two to six, then that means we're, we're our money is keeping up with with all the other costs going on. So we want it to we want to make sure our money's working hard for us. And I, the way I tell people with investing is I think about your money um, sitting in a, a savings account is like sitting on the sofa and it has to sit on the sofa. You need to know where you can find it. Right. So like you leave the house, you need to know, oh, I know where my cash is. It's on the sofa. But when we take our money and we invest it, we're putting it on the treadmill and we're giving it a workout. And we want our money to have a workout because, again, we work really hard for it. And now we yeah. want it to work hard for us. I think the analogies are so important and help people. It's like, you know, think about a plant. Your your money starts to grow, right? So if you if you put your money in the right places, hence give it water and put it in sunlight, your plant's going to be healthy and it's going to grow. If you leave your If you leave your money in the dark, and yes, you still have a plant there, but it's not going to do anything for you you know, you're, again, you're not watering it, you're not paying attention to it. And the, the best way for you to make pa people talk about passive income, which obviously is money that you make when not, not, that's not related to how much time you're spending on something. That's how people really start to become financially free when Shannon and I are having a conversation and our money's out there working for us. It's not that, oh, if I'm not working in this restaurant or this place for an hour of my time and trading time for money, that's a really difficult way to become financially free. You've got to put your money to work for you at some point. Yeah. So um, so those are all of the, those are the digits, right? We want clients to get to, we want people to get to at least vision board them, have them out there, right? Set them as the things you want to do that you're, that's the path you're working toward. Mm -hmm. Now I want to get into why we're not doing it, right? Because like, um, I, I talk about this all the time. I say there's to get physically healthy and to get financially healthy. They're both actually really easy. They just you just need two things. So to get physically healthy, we need to work out more and um, not eat less, but eat mindfully. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, eat less bad stuff for us to to get phys financially healthy. We need to make more and spend less. So sounds really simple, but I always say if it was that simple, we'd have a bunch of skinny millionaires running around. And like, I always say, where are the skinny millionaires at? Like they're yeah. they're not anywhere because both are actually really hard because they both require a mental game that has to be a part of the journey. And most people have a difficult time with the mental game with either. And yeah. there's a lot of competing challenges, a lot of competing things going on in our lives that will prevent us from doing those two things in either way. As far as money's concerned, the number one thing is is anxiety uh, and around money, especially for women. Um, it, it is uh, it is challenging. Um, it's it, and also the second one is language. So money and personal finance mm -hmm. is a language. And you talked about it earlier, Anne. Like we were not taught it 
in schools. We're, we're not taught it at home. We're not taught it on the job. And yet the second we get our first paycheck or any paycheck, we're required to speak it. It's like it's like being told you have to speak Greek and you didn't get a single lesson. And yet you're walking around making decisions in Greek without understanding how they add up or how they mean. So um, so those are challenges, but um, but all can be learned. And um, but especially with money, it's a language a lot of women don't want to speak. And and it, it frustrates me. I was at a conference last week with a bunch of women influencers. And I can't tell you how many times people came up to me and said, my boyfriend opened an investment account for me or my boyfriend does it, or my partner does this or my dad does this. And I get so frustrated because it's like it's almost like they're saying it with a source of pride. And I'm like, why can't you say I do this like I am in control of my money. I do the investing like that's the, the shift I want to see, especially with women happen. And what I tell all these women is like, look, 93 percent of nursing homes are women. So at some point you are going to have to get engaged with right. your money. You can't rely on other people. And we I can't tell you how many times we've seen at the gym those partners um, those parents making poor financial decisions um, that are going to impact impact that person. And because they weren't paying attention, you know, it got out of hand and they didn't know what was going on. So just because you have a partner who's doing it doesn't mean they're doing it right. And even if they are doing it, you should want to talk to them about it. You should want to learn about it. It's a language you're going to have to speak. And so, again, women don't necessarily feel like inclined to want to speak it. The third thing is that money is the ultimate taboo topic. And you you alluded to it earlier. It is something I always say we're more comfortable getting physically naked with someone than financially naked. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see it. We we see it with clients telling us their numbers at, at the gym. It's it's very scary because, you know, we can imply physical or you can see physical wellness on people. Um, we can't see financial wellness. And so we're just walking around wondering, um, or maybe we're hiding things that we feel shamed about. Um, there's a lot of fear and shame around money um, with men and women. And um, we hear all the time, like, I'm afraid that I'll never retire. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, or I'm ashamed that I have debt. I'm ashamed that I don't have savings. And um, there's a lot of highly charged emotions going on with their money. So those are three big areas that are kind of preventing people from moving forward. So the first is, you know, the mindset game and, you know, being excited about it. I mean, it's literally, it's the biggest drug for us at the gym, our trainers at the gym. When we see clients go from fear and uncertainty to like excitement about like, I opened a high yield savings account and we're like, yes, you did it, you know, or like I opened this, you know, burgers account or I, I took care of this or I refinanced my debt. Like, those are exciting things to do and we're excited for you and you should really embrace those those things. So having that, that you know, and the mindset shift and the biggest thing I said earlier that I tell people when they're about to embark on a financial wellness journey is letting go of that past behavior because um, there's nothing we can do to change it. By the way, it doesn't even matter because it's fixable and just know that it's all fixable. It's just how much fixing do we have to do? So. Yeah. Like, let's stop giving it so much weight because the numbers can change every single day. Um, Choose like the, the um, you know, how I'm feeling uh, the fear and shame or whatever. Um, 
let me tell you what, everybody looks a lot like you financially, okay? <laughs> I know you could look around physically and say, oh, they don't, I don't look like that. I'm going to tell you what, financially, most people probably look like you. I just told you only 31% of this population is financially well. So it doesn't matter what people say when they're at a meeting with you, when they're at a thing with you. Um, people can say whatever they want because they're not showing you their bank account, right? right? So don't believe the hype and understand that probably they look like you too. Yeah. And I actually really love that comparative point, too, of like people think, oh, I have to have X amount of money. It's like you, it really comes down to what your lifestyle is, mm-hmm. how much money you spend and how much money, you know, that you need. It's not this like everybody needs to have five million dollars. Well, yeah. again, what is your lifestyle? Where do you live? Where do you whatever can determine a lot of that? And I think, Shannon, too, you know, a lot of people can get into trouble with money because they have this. I just need more. I just need more. And it's like. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you're going to feel that way about money all the time, no matter amount of money is going to end up satisfying you and you're going to have a scarcity mindset. And that can be really difficult to live in that in that yeah. state when you're like, you have enough. I don't ha- I don't have enough. I mean, we all know people like that. My 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 parents, you know, my mom uh, operates a little bit of that way of, you know, just she grew up with her parents in the Great Depression. So this is why I sort of mentioned earlier, it's really important that I think we understand our emotional relationship with money, what it means to you. Mm -hmm. I had money destroy my parents' marriage. You know, my dad is a gambling addict and that was the straw that broke the camel's back for my parents' marriage. And like, that was it. And and I I knew from a very early age, I will be financially independent. I will not let money be a factor, you know, in my relationship. I want to have an, enough, whatever that ended up looking like for me to take care of myself, people around me. Um, but I would be foolish to think that the demise of my parents' marriage and my dad's relationship with money did, and my mom's, because my mom is a saver and very frugal and my dad is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. If that didn't have an impact, you know, on how I view money and what it means to me. And I think it's also really important to speak those things out loud of why do you want money? Why, why, like, what, what are you driving toward? Because if you can't articulate this, then you have this, it's like people say, I want to lose weight. I'm like, well, okay, well, how much weight and why? Like, right. what are you chasing and what is the feeling that you're going to? Do you feel unhealthy? Do you want to look better naked? Do you, is it, is, is whatever the reasons are, get specific because if we're ambiguous with our goals, we're never going to reach them. If we don't understand, we're never going to, you know, we're never going to get there. We have the same thing with our clients. And this is the same challenge I think a lot of people have with money. You're talking about, we were talking about like, how do we motivate or whatever? Well, most money goals that people have is like saving for retirement, paying off debt, like, you know, student loans or a home or something like that. Um, and those are typically the big ones, right? And I always tell people like, Getting out of like what gets you excited to get out of bed every day and make money and make smart money choices is not going to be to like pay off debt or or like fund your retirement account. Like that does not get me excited to get out of bed. So I'm going to get anybody excited to get out of bed. And if it's not getting you excited to get out of bed, I'm not surprised. So what we do with our clients is like at the beginning we do we're like we try to get them to imagine like what is it you what is the life you want? What does it look like? What if money wasn't a factor, then what? what would you want to do with your life? What what does it look like? What's important to you? What goals are important to you? And at the gym, we we talk we talk about non-negotiables. So we ask our clients all these details about their money. And then we're like, 
what are your non-negotiables? What are the one or two areas of your life that you were like, I will protect this in my budget above all else? Like, do not tell me to do this. Like, you know, don't tell me to cancel my gym membership or do whatever. And and we tell clients you can have one or two, right? Like, because, um, you know, we're not all, except for 1% of the population, we all have to make some choices and where our money goes. So what are the two? Because we're going to protect those. And when we ask people that, the top answers are usually health and wellness. It's travel. It's fur babies. We have a lot more clients who are very passionate about fur babies than human babies these days. Um, and and it's some kind of like family experience. Mm-hmm. Those are the top ones. But then when we track their expenses and we see where their money's going, it's going to Amazon. It's going to Uber, Seamless, Scrubhub, like a food service, delivery servicing. Um, it's going to some kind of retail experience. Yeah. Um and um, if you live in New York, it's going to Dwayne Reed. Um, and we're like, and we're not checking the expenses and showing this to our clients to say, look, you're completely misaligned in what you told us you valued and how you're spending your money. We're looking at our clients to say, okay, you told me you value this and this brings you joy. And yet you're spending all your money on this, leaving nothing for that. So how do we find, how do we, how do we be mindful of the things that aren't bringing us joy, but they're easy to spend our money on? So that we have more room to say yes to the things we love. And that's like a lot of the work we're doing is and and when we're setting those goals, we're not like, oh, yeah, let's pay off student loans. Let's do this. I mean, we're going to do the responsible things, but we're like I, we've got clients and we we tell them set up a savings account. We're very big on goals based savings. So we're like, look, I'm not going to tell you to cut your expenses. I'm going to tell you to push money to these goals. That's going to mm-hmm. and then that's our highest priority. So. We're going to ask them what the goals are and set up these accounts. And then we tell them to name them because it will give them, talk about being specific, it will give them a connection. So if they want to have a fur baby and they know that they're going to name it Ruthie, I have a trainer who's got a dog, uh, Ruthie ba- Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she calls her Ruthie. So, But she knew she was going to name her dog Ruth Bader Ginsburg from the beginning. So call that account Ruthie. And then you know, that's, you know you're going to need $300 a month to support Ruthie because of mm-hmm. pets are expensive. And um, put $300 a month in the Ruthie account. If it can't get there every month, then, you know, you can't afford Ruthie, but like you want Ruthie. So let's make right. room in the budget for her. Yeah. Um, or tattoos is the big, you know, we're like, let's let's start with smaller goals that we can be successful at rather than tackling these big things like retirement or student loans or a mortgage. Let's start with some and get success with the, some of those smaller ones, but they're meaningful to you. And then we add from there. Yeah, I love this because to your point, it's no different with overall wellness or or anything either. When someone says, I don't have time to work out and I'm like, all right, let's look at your schedule. Let's first start there, because if you're going to tell me you have time to work out, but these two hours of TV watching a night, you know, are there. We have to talk about those. Now, you can say I'm not making it a priority to work out. That's an empowering statement because you're in charge of your time. But how we spend our money, our time, our values, all of these things, if we don't empower ourselves, we're going to set ourselves up for failure. And that's why writing that stuff down, you guys, it's kind of crazy when you say to yourself, what what are your top values? And if you write family and all these things first or priorities and you're spending 80 hours a week at work, and if the notion is I'm doing that to support my family, okay, I can buy that, you know, on some level. But where we put our time and energy is actually what our priorities are. So doing that work first, whether it's time, whether it's money, helps you get information 
so that you can make decisions and make and make changes like it's so it's so crucial to for me it's the first it's the first step yeah uh, with anybody and my friends I talk to like you, you've got to take a inventory before we can talk about anything and you've got to get really real mm-hmm. and you got to lift underneath the hood because if you just don't want to deal with it it's just like oh I don't want to I want to track my food I want to see what I eat and I'm like well then you either need to stop talking about wanting to be more fit yeah or you know what I mean? Yeah, you've got to take action. Get in. Yeah. Getting financially well takes action. Like, and that's the thing. It's not going to happen overnight. But the best thing I could say, I tell people this all the time. I'm so glad I'm not like you, Anne. I'm so glad I'm not trying to get people physically well because I feel like that's a harder journey. We get we get financial wellness results in less than three months and very quick and big ones. Our average client within three months is has increased their savings by $2,500. Like they've increased their credit score by 50 points. They've increased their income because we also talk about income. Um, and especially for women, are you making enough? Are you asking for what yeah. you're worth? Those sorts of things. Um, but um, we can get results really quickly. And and a lot of it, so much of it is just being mindful, like Hi. of where that, like just even ask yourself. So we have, you know, we help our clients see where their money's going. We talk through strategies of, how do we do this? I we I literally had one client. We Dwayne Reed was a big problem for her in New York, and I was like, "What's going on here? Why is this?" And for people who are listening who don't know, Dwayne Reed's like a CVS or like a drugstore that's like on every corner in New York. And um, I said, "What's going on here?" She's like, "Well, it's on my way home. I stopped there for whatever a, a soda or something, and she ends up picking up eight other things that that happens." Um, and so I said, "Can you go a different way home? Like, can you not pass the thing?" And she was like, yeah, I guess I can do that. Like, you know, right. whatever. I said, can you work a path that doesn't involve a Dwayne Reed, which is actually kind of hard in New York. But she's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to look at a map and I'm going to figure out a different way. She did. And P.S. She ended up saving like an extra $200 a month that she didn't right. like realize because those like 10, 15, $20 expenses, like they really do add up. But I'm not somebody who's like, don't get lattes. I want to be very clear. Like if you value and love lattes, that is perfectly acceptable. And that's great. But but they add up. And so if you're saying yes to those things and you're saying yes to a six dollar latte every day, that's going to be thirty dollars a week. That's going to be, you know, one hundred and twenty dollars a month. If you love that and you're consciously choosing it, good for you. But where are we going to get the other hundred? Like, how are we going to balance that in our budget from somewhere else? Yeah. And Shannon, I always tell people too, like, guys, there's no, there's no money shaming going on here. We all have different things that we like to spend money on. And if you can afford it, it's fine. Like I, I am not a clothes person. I am not a handmade person. I am not a shoe person. None of the material stuff really does it for me. That doesn't mean I haven't bought something that's expensive before, but I bought it because I love it. Not because, oh my God, I need to have a brand name, you know, handbag. Again, if that's you guys, more power to you. If that's what you're saving your money for, like, and that brings you a lot of joy. No shame there. I buy first class tickets. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like to fly coach. And like, that's one of the things that I do. I buy black car Ubers because I feel safer in them. Mm-hmm. That's something that's important to me. So I budget, you know, for that. My yeah. money, I want my money to go to experiences. I want to be able to, you know, go to, if I want to go to an event, Beyonce, whatever, and buy great tickets, I want to be able to do that. That's a big driver for me you know, with with money and um, creating my own wealth. I want the freedom. I want the flexibility. That's a real fa- a real big driver for me to continue to, 
you know, to earn. And like I said, everybody has to figure those drivers out because they can be super motivating Mm -hmm. for you to earn. And, you know, one piece of advice and what, you know, would love your take on it too. I imagine you're going to agree, but feel free to disagree. You know, I tell folks, I'm like, listen, get one, whenever you get surprise money, meaning a bonus, right? Many people have bonuses at their jobs, uh, especially if you're kind of a full-time salaried person, you know, I'm like, put your bonus away. Do not factor it into any portion of your lifestyle. And if you get a $10,000 bonus at the end of the year, put it away. Like yeah. Shannon, that's literally how I started SolidCore. Like every time I started doing sweet engagements and any bonus I would get from my job, I was like, this is found money and I'm not spending it because I built the lifestyle around my salary. Yeah. And over two years, there was $175,000. I was like diligent about putting that money away. And at that point in my life, I wanted to make sure I was putting enough money away so that I could invest in myself and start my next entrepreneurial you know, effort. And that was a big motivator for me. Again, we all got to figure out what our drives are, whether it's our kids, you know, whether it's home ownership, something that's going to get you excited about getting responsible with your money. Yeah, I um, I agree with that. The only ca- it's not even a caveat. I w- it's like it's a projecting it out more is that there's different places for that bonus money because we could have different life goals. And um, and sometimes the goal is that splurge fund. So we have clients who, um, you know, want to buy the purse or do the thing and they're not sure if they could do it or whatever and we we encourage again a savings bucket for that so when those money you know when that money comes in we're like okay where are priority goals and let's fund that with the money um and sometimes a portion of that will go to the fun fund you know the the splurge fund because it is um a lot of people's financial wellness journeys are going to be long and challenging it's just like um, you know, scaling a mountain, running a marathon, they're going to take time and you're going to get fatigued, especially if you've got a lot of debt or, um, you know, you've got like bigger goals, like a lot more work to do, you'll get fatigued. And what we found is if you do have those little, you know, fun perks or like the fun moments, it does give you like renewed energy to get back out there. But we say like in moderation, you know, we're like, okay, let's put a little side and, you know, for the splurge money, because, um, that that will prevent them from like getting you know an Instagram ad that's like oh I I deserve this and like right. and taking advantage of that we're like well if you do have money in your splurge account you know because that right. can tell you how much fun you can have is what's yeah. in that account and that yeah it. and it's listen guys it's taxing to just be anxious to be anxious about money and live like that money is one of the big drivers of relationships ending and divorce mm-hmm. so like facing the fear like read read the books i don't know about you shannon again sounds like you have a book as well i haven't read that one but like i used to read Susie orman when i was younger like finance for dummies you can't have shame and not knowing what you don't know and i can tell you just over my past 10 years once i you know i started solid core it's like i had to when i started raising private equity money i had to be like what is irr what like i didn't know any of these things and you have to be okay with asking questions because if you don't ask the question then you're just going to stay ignorant about it and someone's going to take advantage of you Mm -hmm. um but like yeah put yourself in a comfortable space check out shannon you don't just i know you're based here in you're based in new york we work Uh, virtually across the country clients yeah Yeah. so yeah can you just tell us a little bit more about how the program works so it's like a monthly membership fee, just like a regular gym. And uh, we have programs that start as low as $35 a month. So I would say, you know, this is the, 
And if you feel like you can't afford 35 or 85, whatever the monthly fee is, um, then I say you have to join our gym because no one should live a life where they feel like that extra charge in their expenses is is like the whole world's going to crash. And yeah. unfortunately, 67% of the population lives paycheck to paycheck. So a lot of people feel that way. But a lot of times when we get in there with clients and get in and do the real work, it's like we're finding, you know, a lot of things that could be adjusted, a lot of changes that we can make um, and and not take away the joy, not take away the love that they have for what yeah. they're doing in life, just like reprioritizing with them. So okay. um, so financialgym.com and um, we have we encourage everybody to go through. We call it our warm up call process, which is a free call. It's with current clients of the gym. We just want to find out more about you, what what kind of financial priorities you have and what you want to work on and then pair you with the best trainer for you um, if you work one-on-one with our training team. And yeah, my team's the best. Like, so we we call your first session at the gym the financially naked session and it's tongue in cheek, but it's because we know that you are going to share with us all these details, right? all these money things that might be creating anxiety, all these digits. Um, we know it's stressful. We know it's like you stripping naked in front of us and we're fully clothed. Like that's how it feels for most people to share that. Um, But that's exactly, that's day one of my team's training, right? It's like how, you know, we want you to feel comfortable. We want you to share it because it doesn't matter where you're starting. It matters where you're going to go and where we're going to take you. And that's the important thing. So we don't care what your digits look like. We've had clients start with us with negative $2,000 in the bank. We've also had clients start with us with over $40 million. So going to your point about people, the scarcity mindset, the reason why those people joined the gym, they were afraid of running out of money. So yeah. let me tell you, I always say the problems are the same, the zeros are different. So um, right. whatever it is that you're feeling around your finances, there's different workouts for people. But, um, you know, it is important to learn to, like you said, and to ask the questions, whether it's from us at the financial gym or anywhere online, whether it's books, I'm a big fan of podcasts because it's a language, right? And sometimes languages are hard to read. Um, so sometimes people need to hear it or see it. So podcasts are free. And I tell people do that. And then also if you're in groups and and with people or maybe in front of financial experts or, or you know, I don't think every advisor is an expert, but you know, if you're in front of financial people, ask the question until you get it, until it makes sense to you. And if they can't explain it in a way that makes sense to you, it's not because you're not smart. It's because they're not good at explaining it. Any good great financial professional should be able to explain any financial concept to you in a way you can understand. And if they're not getting there, then maybe they don't have a good grasp of what the concept is and you need to talk to somebody else. Yeah. And I love to know you said that, you know, people, it's going to feel like you're naked because that's empathy right there. It's, I feel the same way sometimes about solid core when I'm like, guys, I know this is hard. I'm I'm not acting like, you know, you should be able just to do this right away. And that's really comforting for folks of just like, thank you for realizing this is difficult and challenging to talk about this. And there might be some embarrassment. There might be some all kinds of emotions. And it's nice to know just like it's it is OK. Again, we don't have a education system in high school or college that is really set up to teaching people about personal finance. Um, so, guys, again, speak from somebody who was in credit card debt, you know, 13, 14 years ago and has, you know, built her own net worth um, over time. And I'm super proud of that. But I can tell you, I wouldn't be here if I didn't ask questions and find smart people around me. And I can also say there have been people around me in my earlier days that I felt like were condescending Mm -hmm. and I didn't work with those people. It's like, you know, this is where I am. So if you get that vibe from anybody, it's not the right. Yeah, exactly. No one should make you feel bad about your situation when you're trying to change it. Exactly. Um, 
It's brave. It's brave to work on you. Yeah. We get that all the time at the gym. Clients ask, is this, are we the worst you've ever seen? Am I the worst you've ever seen? Yeah. And we say, we have yet to see the worst because the worst are the people who aren't coming here because you are brave. You are taking this step. You are willing to go through it. And, um, and so it's not the worst. Yeah. I'm awesome. not heard. Well, Shannon, you already told people where they could find you. Anything else you want to add to for our listeners about, about you or the financial gym? No, I just think financialgym.com. I love my team. Um, there, we have plenty of free resources. We have our own blog. Like, get in there, get learning the language, get comfortable with it. Um, if you're a woman, like we love, like you might have a book club or a, a brunch group or whatever. Get your group together. Like, learn together. Talk about it together. Just like it's like learning another language, going to another country. Get excited about it. Pump each other up instead of just being like. Because I think too many times in women's group, especially, it's like. We just don't know it. Everybody like commiserates and it's like, it's fine that we don't know it. And I was like, it's not fine that we're right. we're just like all not knowing this language that we need to speak. Yeah, it's real. It's super empowering. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for offering so many nuggets and advice and information for everybody. And uh, again, guys, don't be afraid to to talk about this. So Shannon, we will talk soon. Um, great to see you and have a great rest of the day. Thanks, you too. Hey, everyone, if you are loving these how-to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate you to follow, rate, and review. It helps us get these podcasts out to more people who are looking for these actionable items on how to make real progress in their life. Thank you so much. You know I appreciate you.